0: Ready, set, go. What's up?
1: What's happening? Oh, man, I don't know. This is number one. First one, huh? First podcast, absolutely, um, from the throne room. I feel kind of uh, honored to be the, the number one in the spot for the number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I couldn't think of
0: anybody else I'd rather talk to you for the first one. God knows you've got as many stories as I do. Uh, we should probably start with some introductions, I suppose. Um, I'm the fucking pilot, also known as Princess. And you can call me Dean. I'll answer to all of it. Uh, and you are Junior. Yeah, I'm
1: Junior. Also known as David. Occasionally known as Asshole. Just depends on the situation. Half of the time, anyway.
0: <laughs> so, we're here because you like to jump out of airplanes and throw yourself off the shit and, and, uh, and do crazy stuff. Every chance I get. Absolutely. And for how long now? Um, well, let's just start from the beginning. How did you get started in,
1: in anything extreme, really? Um... I think that's my dad's fault, probably. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dad was Dad was a crazy guy, always doing always doing interesting, fun, crazy things. Whether it was you know trying to hop snowmobiles over top of roads <laughs> in Vermont to skiing down things he probably shouldn't have been skiing down and jumping off of whatever we could jump off of. So I mean I, I guess it's kind of uh, in the blood a little bit. But. Uh, was he so jumping off of? What do you mean, like jumping off of cliffs into water? Stuff like that. Oh, nice! Um, rooftops in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> nice,
0: nice. <laughs> well, how'd you get started into anything involving a parachute?
1: Um, that's actually an interesting, interesting one. I um, way back when, <laughs> long, long time ago. Mm. Um, I was just out of high school. Decided I wanted to start flying.
0: Mm. So,
1: um, flying has always interested me, and I started working on my private pilot. Mm. And uh, my CFI at the time and I decided we were going to see how many local airports we could hit in one hour. (laughs) So how many touch and goes? We were going to go from airport to airport to airport to airport. And we get into this one airport. It was the last one that was going to be inside that hour. And it happened to be a drop zone, a skydiving center. Oh, wow. So we get out and we walk into the place and it was scary. (laughs) To say the least, it was scary. Um, Scary as in like a sketchy drop zone? It it seems sketchy. I okay, would well, never seen a drop zone before. Yeah, they all seem kind of sketchy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, Here I am, I'm around 19 years old, flying, stop at an airport, and they, they jump out of it. And there was nobody jumping that day. We went in, we walked around, and it was old wood paneling on the inside of the place. It was about a single wide trailer, very similar to uh, what you would think of Fandango. Oh, right? nice, nice. Minus the crazy pilot with the smoke in the joint on the way up to altitude. Nice, nice. But uh went there, didn't think anything of it, um, was in... College some friends said, Hey, we're thinking about going to Scott Like, sure, count me in, let's let's check it out. So we go out and lo and behold, it was the same fucking place. <laughs> oh, nice.
0: Nice. Now what drop zone was this?
1: Uh Scott to come see. Oh wow, okay. So it's uh, it was one of the one of the oldest drop zones in the US. Um they had their fifty year anniversary five or six years ago now. Oh, cool. So they've been they've been around for a long time and at the time they were one of the, like I said, one, yeah, one of the oldest. So. What is
0: it, that old t-shirt uh, back when skydiving was dangerous and sex was safe? Yeah, sex was safe, skydiving was dangerous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So you, you went with a bunch of buddies to make your very first jump.
1: Went with a bunch of buddies. Um, they didn't really offer tandems, so it was a static line course. Mm. Out in the sun, doing PLFs in mechanics outfits for 30 minutes <laughs> by a... The owner, who is like a almost like a drill sergeant. PLF to the left. Now. Oh, God. All right, get up. All right, PLF to the right. Now. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're lined up five across, five deep in this little uh, shack and outside doing PLFs and mechanics outfits. And, uh, yeah, finish the course. Hop in an airplane. Go up to altitude. I'm number two to get out. My buddy's for number one. And uh, out he goes, canopy opens, and all of a sudden we look up and I see my instructor, jump master at the time, looking up. I'm like, why is he looking up? <laughs> You're right. So, apparently uh, we were just before a storm coming in and he got <laughs> some updraft. so he gets out under under his, uh, his mane after static line and he literally got an updraft and was above us. Oh, wow. So, he lands about uh, two and a half miles away from the airport. <laughs> Uh, needless to say, we come down in the airplane. We weren't going to jump that day. Hopes, dream shot, crying like a little baby, you know, all that good stuff. And um, just played the game that skydivers played for so long. So came out the next weekend, bad weather. Came out the next weekend, bad weather. And it was coming up on my dad's 55th birthday. Mm. So figured, why not? So I bought him the first jump course for his 55th birthday. So he comes out, goes through the course. Nice. Right? Get in the airplane, take off. We're up at altitude. This is you and your dad. Me and my dad now. All right. Right? Maybe uh, three weeks down the road. And lo and behold, we land with the airplane. Bad weather. Oh, fuck. So next weekend, he was going home to see some family in, in New York, uh, him and my mom. And I could think about the fact that he's heavier than me. He's going to get out first. I can't let him be the first to do this. <laughs> so while he was away, I snuck out to the drop zone and made my first jump. Nice comes back the following week. We show up to the jobs and they ask us like, oh, so, you know, both of you guys first time? I'm like, nope, it's my second. He just looked at me and gave me those eyes.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That was the beginning. Awesome.
1: Very, very cool.
0: That's not too many people that get out and actually jump with their dad first. I went out and did my, uh, my first one as well. And just like you, I think I, it was three or even four weeks that I fought weather to be able to make that first jump. And Oh, man. By the time week four rolled around, I didn't even care if it killed me. I just needed to get that damn jump in. And it was just for me to cross it off the list. That was all it was going to be. And then, of course, I landed and walked into the hangar and said, here's my credit card. Charge it until it says decline.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't uh, so fortunate. I was a college student. And luckily, oh. uh, static lines were cheap, so I would work hard, make enough money to make a couple static line jumps, but they were $45 at the time. Oh, Jesus. So work for the week, come out. Make a jump, maybe two, you know, it was a, and it was, at that point it was it was breaking the bank, you know, in order, to, in order to skydive, but it was so much fun. Sure. Well,
0: that seems to be how uh, a lot of the jumpers get started. It's such an expensive sport to start out with that you end up having to, you know, basically hawk an arm or a leg to be able to get out there and jump.
1: Oh, for sure. Now it's it's even more so because AFF's around and it's kind of taken over the game, and AFF is, is probably the most amazing sure. way of, of learning, but at the time... I wouldn't have, as a college student I couldn't afford it sure AFF. well and of no course way.
0: now you're quite an accomplished AFF instructor so you've been teaching hundreds if not thousands of people to jump for quite some time now it's
1: been a while I and mean, yeah. I actually uh, teach as an examiner I actually teach people how to teach which is super cool it's a lot of fun
0: yeah, yeah. oh absolutely I remember when I went through my AFF course uh, with a, a name you might recognize Billy Rhodes oh man for sure. And he was a hardcore son of a bitch. And man, I've never had a more stressful week in my entire life. So when you're teaching students, are you as fucked up as Billy was?
1: No, never, (laughs) never that bad.
0: (laughs) That fucking guy, man, the mind games he played, like you need a whole lot of shit to stress on while you're falling towards the ground at 120 to 150 miles an hour. You need that extra level of stress. Well, so you started out with dad. uh,
1: uh, Did dad continue to jump as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dad and I did pretty much every jump together till we had uh, about 200. Wow. So pretty much every jump was uh, was together. Um, first World Free Fall Convention, we were jumping together. Uh, second World Free Fall Convention, we were jumping together. That was still when it was in Rantoul? Uh, Quincy. I was I was still at Quincy.
0: Oh, that's right. That's so, right. No,
1: Quincy. I was completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Quincy was the first ones and then uh, moved over to Rantoul and it got a little crazier. A little bit calmer, actually, I would say. Yeah, but yeah, calmer. I mean, it Rantoul was— was a little calmer than Quincy You knew,
0: uh, World Free Fall Convention, that there was at least going to be one or two fatality
1: reports coming out of that. Every year. Every year, there was at least—I think there was only one year that I can remember that, that there was no no fatalities there. Usually, it was, was at least one per, per boogie. Was it Quincy or Rantoul with the helicopter? Uh, the helicopter was Rantoul. I believe it was the first or second year of Rantoul. I actually, I, was, I actually saw that.
0: That story to this day, oh, my God. And, of course, I wasn't there, um, but uh, at least the way that it was told to me, kid goes out and, and asks the helicopter pilot, and I forget his name, if he could film. Rod Tinley. Rod Tinley, there you go. Uh, asks if he could film the departure of the helicopter, getting ready to go drop a bunch of jumpers. Uh, and uh, he told him no. You absolutely can't. So the kid decides, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and sneak into this cornfield. And as the helicopter is taking off, I can film it from there because I'm not going to have this guy tell me what to do. Helicopter lifts off, takes off. And and, uh, for anybody that's never been to that freefall convention, the helicopter ride was uh, famous for being dramatically more exciting than the jump. Uh, Rod was an old uh, Vietnam vet, wasn't he?
1: I'm pretty sure he, and he was, uh, it was his, it was his helicopter. And he used to do um, old Vietnam vet and he used to do um, like stunts and stuff like that for Hollywood with his helicopter. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. So he was, he was an extremely accomplished helicopter pilot. And as he lifts off, he, he would stay extremely low to the ground, kind of strafing the ground and giving the jumpers a wild, wild ride. And as he takes off, he's got the rotors aimed towards the ground as he's flying forward. And this kid pops out headfirst out of the corn to film and, uh, as the story is told, uh, ends up losing his head over it.
1: Yeah, essentially, um, I had a really good friend, or I still have a really good friend. Uh, his name is Rob Cohen. Um, he was actually on the helicopter, <laughs> on that side. And it's actually his video that, um, that saved uh, Rod Tinley's uh, career, essentially. Um, but we were walking over to the helipad. We were walking over to where the helicopter was. Not really a helipad. It was in the corn or on the grass near the corn. But we were walking over there, and we actually heard it taking off, and we heard the sound. Oh, Jesus Christ! So it was a little bit of a uh, of a <laughs> messed up situation, to say the least. Well, the kid never felt it; that's for damn sure. But to have the it was a Huey, yeah. Yeah, it was a Bell four twelve.
0: Yeah. So to have the the <laughs> to <Twin Allison. laughs> to have the rotor of a Bell four twelve literally take your head off, he never saw what was
1: coming. And the rotors he had were actually. Um, beefier rotors, the tail rotor and the and the main were actually beefier because they're from what I understand, they were able to cut a four inch tree or if they I think it's a four inch tree or something like that. They can they could take a hit up to that or a human head yeah in that case it was it was about shoulder to waist unfortunately
0: oh man all right well hey he he got some great video up to that point
1: it was horrible huh? No? fucking hell anyway
0: uh back to uh back to your dad back, to the, at, back your, to the fun stuff right yeah you guys went to the free fall so, yeah, so convention we
1: went to the free fall convention year after year i mean we were we got our coach ratings or um the uh basic instructor ratings it was the first year of the coach rating they hadn't we were actually the dummies. Sure. I remember the, that year for the coach ratings, uh, back around 2000, I guess, 2001. Sure.
0: I got grandfathered in prior to when they, uh, they stopped requiring or before they required the coach rating.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got that together. We got our stat- static line instructor ratings together, you know, a good way to kind of offset the cost of jumping as a college student. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we were, we were jumping pretty hard. Um, he was actually my first passenger as a, as a tandem instructor, oh wow! So in my course, I it was a little bit more old school. I got my rating and uh, I did my solo. I got grandfathered in at that time because I had already done a front ride for a friend at his course a year before. So I got grandfathered. I didn't need to do the front ride. So I literally went from my solo to I could take somebody. And at that <laughs> point, it didn't matter who we were taking as long as they were an experienced jumper. So literally, my f- second time on a tandem rig, my first time taking somebody as a jumper. Where's my dad? Awesome. Not so much. No? No, my dad was a big boy. <laughs> I went to the limits right off the bat. Well, he had big fucking stones if he if he let you take him on your
0: very first ever.
1: And all I could think about the entire time is if you kill him, mom's gonna kill you. <laughs> if <laughs> yeah, you hurt but, uh, him, mom's gonna kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fucked. So it was it was fun. I mean, we jumped together up until the time he passed, so
0: Wow. Now if I'm not mistaken, he passed jumping, yeah?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, so. World Free Fall Convention, 2003. Um, He had a a low cutaway with uh, no time for the reserve to come out. Oh, man. Um, It's still, to this day, it'll always be a mystery as to what exactly happened. Some people said they saw him spiraling under a malfunctioning main. Um, Others said um, that it looked like it was possibly a line over. On the reserve? No, on the main. main. On the main. The reserve never got to more than line stretch. Oof. So he, uh, he jumped, was jumping. I would saw him the load before. He was doing some belly stuff. I was doing some free-flying stuff. Uh, I was jumping uh, with, uh, with a friend at the time, just trying to work on my, on my head down. and Sure. You know, before, you know, tunnels came around. Sure,
0: sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when we had to do it 60 seconds at a time. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, I get the uh, land and get the information, and somebody says, you know, we can't find your dad. Somebody went in. We think it's him. We don't know. Wow. So, waited around for about 45 minutes, so almost an hour. Could have been longer, could have been less. Time kind of stops at that point. Mm. And uh, waited for the, the news that it was him and had to make the drive back from the World, Free Call, Freefall, World Freefall Convention ah, to uh, back to just outside Detroit to mom and Oof. tell mom what had happened. And yeah. Rough fucking day. Yeah, really rough, really long day. And uh, unfortunately, no. No answers as to what exactly happened. Well, oh, right? that's probably the worst of it, isn't it? Yeah, was he knocked out on opening because he was having hard openings in the canopy? That's yeah, what happened. But
0: well, that's the unfortunate part, uh, especially in skydiving in, in in base jumping, is that there's never any, or there's rarely ever concrete answers. This oh, this happened or that happened, but maybe this, maybe that, because generally, at least most of the time, the person that can answer isn't here anymore, um, which is rough. Well, so, how was that? I mean, how, you were pretty established in the sport at that point, but uh, uh, did that not make I'll, you really question?
1: No, I mean, I was, I was, honestly, I was still getting my start. I was only a few years into skydiving. Um, I had just had my tandem instructor rating, like, uh, maybe four months at that point. Wow. So, I mean, I was still relatively low. I mean, I had, I got my thousandth jump just after that summer.
0: Well, so, I mean, everybody, I suppose, in the sport has a reality check from here and there, but this is in the extreme for sure. I mean, uh, to, to be able to continue jumping and, and choose this as a not just a, a job, but a career and a lifestyle, you're in it 100 percent. I mean, there's not too many people that can then lose a family member, especially a father that you were clearly that close with and continue doing that exact same thing.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, you're it's...
0: a fucking Scott ever for life. <laughs> <laughs> that I am. That, yeah, um... I mean, there's there's no going back for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was difficult. It was the most the single most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. Sure. Well, it has to be. And uh, I can't imagine what my mom was going through getting that wake up that wake up for me, and the fact that I still do this every day as a as a living. She's gotten a little bit better with it over the years. The more established I've gotten as a skydiver, and the, of course, I mean here we are, almost twenty years. Sure, about seventeen thousand well, plus. So
0: n- now, taking all that into consideration, you've you, you've not just gone into what uh, uh, people would consider normal skydiving, and for non skydivers, there's no such thing as a normal skydiver. They think we're all completely batshit. But you've taken it even that much further, not just in in teaching people how to teach and and teaching students. But uh, you're pushing the limits hardcore in a number of different ways um, between the uh, uh, canopy piloting and then some of the stunts that you've done as well as base jumping. I mean, wow, you're, you're going big.
1: I try. I try, I try <laughs> to live big. <laughs> well, now, We're only on this planet
0: one time, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but some people would say because of that exact statement, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs>
1: Living my life the best I can. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Well, both of you you and I have been in the sport for 23-plus years. Um, Both of us have seen our fair share of loss, although I've lost people close to me. I've never lost anyone as close as you. But the the losses continue throughout the sport. Uh, Clearly, the longer you're in the sport, the more people you're going to know that have gone the wrong direction. Does that temper any of the things that you do?
1: I mean, losing losing my father was was rough. Losing losing pops, um, that was definitely a hit. But looking at it now, he was in that danger zone a little bit. Sure. Right. He was in that that five hundred to a thousand range, where where it usually seems to be the danger zone for most skydivers. Um, losing other friends, some close friends, um, especially especially recently, um, you know, losing Micah like Couch was was a huge hit, and and I've really question certain things and i've kind of stepped back my base jumping a little bit now because of it um i realize that certain things just aren't worth it especially as a married man and now i need to not just think about myself but think about my wife a little bit as well and family man family man a little bit here and um you know that's that's one of those things that i'm willing to take a back seat for to make my wife happy sure you know make make nicole happy and um you know, not not add the extra risk to it. I mean, I'm still doing my stunts and I'm still doing crazy sure. stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, I think every loss we we have um, kind of hits us a little bit. Oh, of course. In a, in a way that kind of changes our, our outlook and our, our perception of what we want to do in the sport.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I
1: for me personally,
0: I decided to, to um, not attempt base jumping and not get into that realm of the world as soon as I knew I was going to be a dad. Um, I decided then that that was a, a bridge too far, so to speak. Uh, as soon as I knew I was going to be somebody's you know, father, it, I no longer felt that I should go that far. Uh, that's not necessarily the mentality of anybody, and there's no right or wrong with that. That's just how I felt. Right. Um, there have been a lot of people in the sport um, that haven't felt that way, um, some of whom we've lost over the years. Um, you know, Eli Thompson. Oh, man, yeah had one daughter i think and another one on the way
1: um i think she was pregnant with the with the first i don't i don't remember 100 percent. I, I i thought and, and i could mistake. be
0: mistaken but i thought he had one child and another one on the way and he died uh, in base jump yep um that's that's a rough way to go man when you're leaving those kind of people behind so i commend you uh, uh definitely kind of taking a step back and going all right there's more than just me to think about at this point um that being said, you're still doing some pretty fucking wild shit. Um, 2017 was a big year for you. Oh, for sure. Um, what happened uh, um, without the uh, canopy stuff?
1: 2017, um, it was, I believe, the third year for uh, for Swoop Freestyle, um, this, the free, f- freestyle uh, competitions for canopy piloting in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I was... Um, lucky enough and I guess skilled enough at the, the time to, uh, to win the World Championships, for the first ever World Championships or for, for Swoop Freestyle. That's very cool.
0: So for those that don't uh, uh, follow canopy piloting very much or um, have no clue what it is for those that are listening, um, canopy freestyle is very high performance, high speed landings on parachutes where they not only have to not kill themselves on the landing, but they have to perform tricks. And in this particular venue, they got to try and land on a floating raft in the middle of a, a river.
1: Uh, no, it's a, it's a lake. It's one of the one of the lakes in, in downtown Copenhagen for it, this one.
0: Right on the the boardwalk, and, and uh, um, there's like a hundred
1: thousand people show up to to this, don't they? That year, they they clocked close to a hundred thousand people there <laughs> throughout the the course of the weekend. Yeah. Did you genius. ever think? No, not really.
0: <laughs> I mean, not just that you'd be involved in something like that, but that even in its uh, in its beginnings, for you and I, that skydiving would ever draw a hundred thousand people to watch you throw yourself out of a plane.
1: No, I mean the closest that I thought it would come to was the, uh, when they tried to get it sky surfing into the X Games, mm. back in the early two thousands. I guess it would have been in nineties. Um, anybody that's uh, yeah, late nineties. Yeah, you are an old man, aren't you? Yeah,
0: well, I was also a sky surf competitor.
1: <laughs> the uh, Jim Slayton tried his best. I mean, Jim. If and anybody that doesn't know Jim Slayton, he's he was one of the guys that uh, that helped uh, progress swooping uh, as far as it has. Him and a bunch of the guys from the PD Factory team and uh, the mm. original Icarus team but he was trying real hard to get um, freestyle and just to get swooping in general, um, not really freestyle, but swooping in general into the Olympics, he was, he was pushing real hard for it. And I think we're closer now than we've ever been.
0: Mm, absolutely, well, uh, swooping is really the only, uh, and canopy piloting is really the only spectator uh, friendly sport. Um, that was the big problem that they ran into uh, with the X Games and sky surfing was that people just couldn't uh, really wrap their heads around what was going on. It looked really cool, but no one could tell the difference between one Sky Surfer and the next. Someone jumped out of an airplane with a board on their feet, they spun around, and the video flipped over and did this and that. Well, now, if you were in it, you could absolutely distinguish what was a good routine and what was a bad routine, but that doesn't make for great um, mass consumption. Um, Whereas swooping is a lot like NASCAR. I don't need to know what's going on inside that car. You're waiting for the crash. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know it's going around in circles, and I'm waiting for somebody to hit the fucking wall. <laughs> um, and, of course, now that they're all friends of mine, I want them to hit the wall, but I want them to do it softly. Spectacularly, but
1: softly. For sure. And we've had some spectacular crashes over the over the beginnings of uh, the Swoop Freestyle event, absolutely. for sure.
0: Now, for anybody listening, is there somewhere they can go to uh, check out
1: video of your performances? Um, absolutely, they can go to my website, um, or they can hop on my my athlete page, which is uh, David Ludvik, Jr. Uh, in quotations. Um, if they're on my athlete page, they can see all the performances and stuff like that. They can also hop on uh, the website for swoop freestyle, which is uh, the athlete page for or sort of the um, the event page for swoop freestyle, which I believe is uh, swoop freestyle um, FAI World Championships. If they a, just Googled
0: Swoop Freestyle, it would probably come up. Absolutely. Awesome. 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 Very cool. Um, and that's that's become an ongoing thing now. I mean, you were the 2017 world champion.
1: I was, in the, I was the 2017 uh, first ever freestyle uh, world champion. Um, last year, I was out of it due to uh, some shoulder surgery, as we sometimes have as uh, skydivers. We get beat up a little bit. Let's put a tick mark in that, and we'll come back to that. So uh, I missed the, the, the 2018 season, unfortunately, and they crowned a new champion. So next year I'm looking forward to coming back and uh, trying to uh, regain my title.
0: And this last year was Pablo
1: Hernandez? Pablo Hernandez, yep.
0: All right, so another friend. That's very cool. Um, although in skydiving, it's a relatively small family when it comes to getting to that level. So
1: I suppose everybody knows everybody. Especially in the swoop circuit. Um, when you're talking about swoop uh, swoop competitions, it's... I've found over my years that the, the swoop competitors are a little bit closer than some of the other disciplines. Sure. Um, even though it's an individual event versus a team event, it's uh, everybody's out there. They're rooting for each other. You, you, it's very rare that you'll see somebody you know, down on themselves or anything else. They're usually congratulatory and picking them up. If you look at a bunch of my photos from it, you see two close friends, uh, Nicholas Batch and Kurt Bartholomew, just hosing me down with champagne after after they announced me as a winner. I mean, they're both great sportsmen and and both great competitors. Sure.
0: Well, and and, uh, um, as someone that swoops but will never compete, no one's ever going to want to see me swoop. At least they sure shit won't line up for it. Um, Swooping is ridiculously dangerous compared to a normal canopy landing. Just a straight in, I'm just going to land there type of thing as opposed to a swoop. Uh, for those that don't understand, you're building an intense
1: amount of speed. You're coming down from, like, where do you start your swoop altitude-wise? In competition, depending upon the canopy I'm flying, I'll start on average around 2,000 feet. So 2,000 feet.
0: Uh, most people at 2,000 feet are Deploying. Just, yeah, they're either As deploying, they're opening <laughs> their parachutes, or they're daydreaming, and they're looking around going, oh, hey, look, that's pretty. And they're certainly not thinking about landing at that point. Uh, you're initiating a turn that builds up uh, speeds in excess of... Close to 100 miles an
1: hour is what I've been clocked at. So 100 well miles over.
0: an hour, you're basically reaching free-fall speeds with a parachute open. Absolutely. So you fucked that up, you're
1: dead. At the very least, uh, at the best best <laughs> capabilities, you're dead, and worst is you're beat up, sure, absolutely. cut up, and and have a really, really long road to recovery, or, or God forbid, the worst, and... Sure. Well,
0: and I liken uh, canopy swooping to riding motorcycles. It's not if you crash, it's when and how bad. Absolutely. You've
1: done it, yeah? Uh, A couple times.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, You've had some injuries. I know we we both have.
1: Yep. Um, I've had a couple of microdissectomies in my back. Um, Recently had a pretty good shoulder repair done. That's put me down for for a little while, put me down for the 2018 season, unfortunately. Wow well at least the competition season I was I was down for all the summer which is when we look forward to traveling to different places and competing sure but you know it's uh it's part of the game it's we try to do it as safe as we can we try to to teach the the next level of people coming up to not do it the way we did it <laughs> because <laughs> right try to do it without winding up like we have beat up cut up hurt you know broken bones and surgeries yeah. and everything else cuz any of the the real competitors you see out there have all had something happen at some point.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not even a competitor and I've got 10 surgeries under my belt. Now, not all of them, of course, are, are skydive related, but uh, a few of them are. And and more injuries than I can count. I, I don't think I've slept through an entire night in years uh, without tossing and turning and rolling over because my neck hurt or my shoulder hurt or, or this. Or that. And I've had two shoulder surgeries, so I'm right there with you. Now, the shoulder surgery, how'd that happen? What What brought that about?
1: Well, um, that was a collaboration of um, doing some XRW. For those don't that don't know, what's XRW? XRW is what we've been able to do now that parachutes have gotten a lot faster, now that wingsuits have gotten a lot better, is where we actually link up somebody under an open parachute flying through the air with somebody who's in free fall flying a wingsuit
0: okay so you're making formations uh, that are they consist of canopies and uh human beings still in free fall
1: absolutely with no
0: parachutes so it's happening fast
1: it's happening fast i mean it's it's moving fast um i'm flying under a 57 square foot parachute loaded pretty significant close to close to about 3.7 so the the size of my weight is about 3.7 times the size of my parachute. So it's a 3.7 pounds per every square foot of cloth. Exactly. That's crazy. So, thinking about that, it's one of the higher wing loadings that you'll see out there. Um, it, it's, it's not a, something that, that students are going to do. Students typically fly at one to one or under.
0: Sure. So, you're flying something that's the size of a car cover, and they're flying something the size that's a, a circus tent. We laid it out, and it's about the
1: size of a twin sheet. <laughs> that's a teeny parachute yeah. <laughs>
0: all right so you're, you're doing this XRW
1: um. doing this XRW um, have uh, the famous maxheim good friend shooting some video and he's he's talked to the the pilot of the the aircraft right and uh, told him that he wants him in a certain spot so he can get this beautiful view of the city with the XRw formation and the, and the airplane coming into into frame and the pilot nods his head to him and decides he's going to fly it exactly where he tells him to, and lo and behold, uh, flies straight in front of us. I uh, flew with the XRW formation through the uh, the turbulence of the back of the airplane, and my parachute very quickly decided to stop flying and fly oh. the opposite direction.
0: Oh, no! We're talking about again speeds that are are pretty
1: high. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty high. I mean we're doing we're doing a good. Good, uh, good speed across the ground. Good clip
0: forward. Yeah, I've yeah. got
1: uh, the late great Micah Couch attached to my feet. He's on his back, and I'm I'm kicked into his chest strap, and I'm looking at him, and I see his face change with this horrified look <laughs> for just a split second before the parachute just disappeared. Wait, uh, your, so
0: your parachute? Just my disappeared. disappeared.
1: My parachute disappeared. Flips me upside down, throws me around, and all I could think about is. The, the safety check that we do when something bad happens. So I, I control the parachute, I get it flying straight again, and I start going through that mental check, right? Okay, what's hurting, what's not hurting? Like, clearly my shoulder was in pain. I land, um, do the self-body awareness thing, sitting on the ground for a second. All right, legs are good, back's good, neck's okay, left arm and shoulders okay, right arm okay, right shoulder's hurting a little bit, what's going on? Of course, go up and do One more, because why not? Of course. Had the opportunity, so we did it and uh, got the shot we were looking for. Did Um, it include the plane? It did include the plane in some parts. Um, The plane was a little bit further away than (laughs) what it was the first time. All right. And uh, proceeded to land and go to the hospital to to get an MRI. Nice, nice. (laughs) I only have one
0: problem with that story. What's that? In that story, you neglect to mention that the pilot mentioned to uh, the famous Mr. Heim that if he were to be in the exact spot, it might not necessarily be good for the formation. And Mr. Heim said, no, 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 that's where I need you.
1: Um, let's just, you know, call out the, the strange thing in this in the room sitting on the toilet right now, With and, I was... and the, the fucking pilot was the pilot.
0: Yeah, I was the pilot. I was, <laughs> I was the pilot. I did deny you the 2018 season in some way, but in my defense, I was following orders from the guy that was directing the entire scene, and I feel not the least bit responsible for your shoulder.
1: You should feel slightly no, responsible, but the majority of, the, of it <laughs> does fall back on me because I did continue to jump um, yeah. for for another year and a half before deciding to actually go ahead and go get the surgery. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So
0: yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I don't feel bad.
1: <laughs> I, I take zero responsibility
0: in that entire thing. Hey, let me see your uh, wine glass here. That, that's what that's what friends are for, huh? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I remember that vividly, and I remember uh, um, you landing and, and uh, rubbing your shoulder, and, and uh, uh, I remember Max being very happy with the jump until it went to shit because you all flew
1: through my wake. And uh, until the point that he realized that neither one of his cameras were working properly, and which he is, never even got it on video. The only video that exists is my video of it. Which is even worse.
0: <laughs> it makes it even worse or better because that makes the story even that much more wild. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, what are friends for but to help fuck each other up every once yeah. in a while? So that's where the surgery came from. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, um, besides the swooping, you do a whole bunch of other stuff. Obviously, you do a bunch of base jumping, although you said you've backed down on that quite a lot.
1: I've, I've backed down quite a bit over the past year and a half. And I'm,
0: I'm assuming that uh, – well, you've already said that uh, um, Micah played a decent part in that as well.
1: Um, the the loss of Micah was, was huge and um, the fact that uh, – both myself and my, my now wife at the time, uh, my fiancé, uh, were there when everything happened. Um, it, it played a, a huge part. in as anybody that knows me and, and knows anything about my story and, and the friend circle that I keep, Michael um, like was one of, my, one of my closest. Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, so, Michael was one of those guys that was instantly your closest friend on the planet just because of who he was. made you feel that way right off the bat. And then he'd skip off to his next closest friend and his next closest friend because that's how everybody assumed. It wasn't Micah Couch, it was my Micah. Yeah. To everybody. Exactly. To everybody, everybody has their
1: own Micah Couch story, for sure.
0: Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's kind of funny because it's a recovering theme, or recovering, it's a recurring theme yeah. in, in skydiving, base jumping, and probably any extreme sport that the ones that we seem to have lost seems to be seem to be the ones that just had that ridiculous light about them. And I think that's probably part of what pushes them so hard and probably part of why they end up going through what they've done is because... They've got whatever that is, whatever that's, that X factor, that spark. Yeah, for sure. And he definitely had that, for sure. Um, so y- you've tempered that kind of stuff as well. And, and let's
1: face it, fuck, we're getting older. We're getting older. And honestly, it's it. I realize that it's not just about me anymore. Sure, right? sure, it's, absolutely. It, it's it's me and somebody else. It's If it was just me, I'd probably keep on doing it, most likely. But I have to look at the bigger picture. I'm not... A single man anymore. I'm a, I'm a happily married man. and sure. I got to make sure that uh, the wife is happy as well because we all know, and men listen out there, this is very important for you. If you haven't been married before, if the wife's not happy, you're not happy. Oh, no doubt. No
0: <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And now
1: she's a jumper as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we met. And that's a
0: pretty interesting story too because you, sure. and, and we'll, we'll keep that one short and sweet, but
1: uh, you took her on her very first jump ever. I took her on her very first jump almost 12 years ago and then uh our paths went in their different directions and she decided that she wanted to start skydiving after some tragedy in her life and became a skydiver and we ran into each other at a competitor's drop zone that was about three nautical miles away <laughs> whole long story won't get into that on this one maybe next time um and she walks up to me she goes is your name junior I'm like yeah I'm, I'm junior she's like you took me on my first jump and it's very rare that you see a six foot tall beautiful blonde so I actually did remember her Mm. (laughs) and uh, after that we kept in touch and we would see each other at the drop zones or we'd run into into each other at uh, different events and everything else and it all came to a head a few years back where we ran into each other in an event and um, just started talking and hanging out and um, she was going through a divorce at the time and um, lo and behold after everything was finalized um, she came and started (laughs) talking and Realized that we were each other's one, and that's cool. That well, this she's, past year we got married.
0: She's got quite the story as well. I mean, she's absolutely. jumped up. She's jumped at every fifty states, all Young, fifty
1: states. Youngest person to jump all fifty states,
0: which is very cool. And she's a, an instructor as well, and accomplished, and works with you and everything. So yeah. it's it's um, as close to a, a, a normal life as a, a bunch of freaky skydivers can possibly have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Meet, meet back up, get engaged, get married. And keep on doing what we love to do. Which is awesome.
0: It, and which is, for those that don't know the the true lifestyle of, of skydiving, and again, I, I can't speak uh, to knowledge in regard to other extreme sports, but I can't imagine that they're that much different. Um, when you're fully immersed in this lifestyle, it is, it's is—it's like being almost in a cult. It, I don't want to call it a cult. <laughs> well, I don't want to call it a cult either. But it, <laughs> it, it, it Cro- is. CrossFit's a cult. Right, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. It's, 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 uh, um, it's a very unique lifestyle, and it seems to be, no matter what drop zone you're at, everyone, it, every drop zone that has a core group that is together all the time seems to fall into the same dynamic. Um, we end up partying our ever-loving asses off, and, and it, it, at least for a while anyway, we seem to live as extreme a lifestyle on the ground as we do in the air.
1: Oh, for sure. One hundred percent.
0: I mean, uh, I worked at a at what was at the time the busiest drop zone in the world and world famous uh, uh, place called Cross Keys uh, in New Jersey, of all places, that was crazy for well known for parties. But I didn't know this at the time because the only drop zone that I had ever jumped at it was in Las Vegas. Um, and as weird as it sounds, Las Vegas doesn't have a party drop zone. <laughs> and that's what you would think. It would be weird there. But it wasn't. And I took this job in Cross Keys because I was looking for a responsible alternative to the crazy life I had been leading. Cut to a month and a half into the job, and I'm sitting in the pea gravel pit on the landing area, high as a kite on LSD, thinking this was the responsible choice. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And it was two and a half years of that. I mean, to the point where the group of friends and coworkers that I worked with we were together so much jumping and um, living and partying that we all had a cross keys accent because we had people from England, from London, from all over the United States, from Ireland, from literally everywhere. And after two and a half years of spending seven days a week, 10 to 12 to 15 hours a day together, you start sounding like each other. And I would go back to California for winter vacation and people would ask me where, that, where I was from.
1: What do you, I'm from fucking San Francisco. What do you mean, where am I from? <laughs> you, you see that. You see that at a lot of drop zones you go to. Um, the same thing where we are right now. You you have the, the mix of the Kiwis and the Aussies and everything else, and you start using terminologies. Like, I've never used the word sunnies a day in my life until I came here. Right. It was always sunglasses or right. shades. Right. And here it's it's sunnies, and it's I find myself going back home and talking about, you know, where are my sunnies at? Or like, where, where'd I put my sonnies And somebody's like, sonnies And nobody even knows where the fuck you're talking like, what about. What are you talking about? Yeah, like my my son. Okay, never mind.
0: It, it is kind
1: of a it's a worldwide community, though. Absolutely, it's, very much so. They talk about six degrees of separation, Skydiving's is about one or two.
0: <laughs> if that. Well, and especially in the party scene, what was the old joke in Cross Keys was it wasn't your girl or boyfriend, it just it was your turn.
1: Yeah, you don't lose your girlfriend, you just lose your turn. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it's the same with guys as well. Uh, especially in Cross Keys back in my day, it was the most incestuous job zone I'd ever been at. I mean, everybody was sleeping
1: with everybody. I think that was every job zone back in the day.
0: Right. Right. Well, and... I guess still to this degree, although um, lately, and maybe it's just because of my age, but um, I seem to end up in uh, uh, operations that are more couple-oriented and a little bit more relaxed.
1: Well, you're also traveling. You're not you're not working in the states as much. I think I think the states may be s- still like that, but being overseas is a little bit more of a couple orientated because you're you're picking up your life. You're moving to a different country, and you know you you find yourself in that in that more of a couple atmosphere you know people don't sure. usually go rogue on their own going to these places they wind up going there and they wind up either finding somebody from their home country or or finding finding uh, somebody that they want to be with for a while and it, it's it's more of a family kind of atmosphere than it is more of a party atmosphere like it like it is back home
0: sure well i guess people are looking for something to hang on to while they're going through all these these crazy times abroad uh and I, I must admit that the states is it's a, a much easier place to say fuck it. I'm gonna toss everything in a van and go travel from drop zone to drop zone. Uh, I mean, you can travel from New York to California, and
1: uh, you don't have to show your passport. You don't have to do any of the stuff that we have to do to travel abroad. And you can still keep your friends outside of skydiving. Yeah, fair enough. You see that you see that a lot more when you're in, when you're abroad. Your your friends or all the skydivers you're jumping with every day. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it
0: becomes an all-encompassing life, for sure. Even when uh, you've lived abroad for some time, I mean, neither you and I have lived in the United States for, oof, Se- for a while. Almost, almost
1: seven years, six and a half years.
0: Yeah, it's the same with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just coming up on... Uh, I think it's been eight years that I've been off mainland, although uh, a couple of years we're working for an airline in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So still the U.S., but not the U.S. Oh, yeah. It must have been a tough life in the Virgin Islands. Yeah, <laughs> it is when you're broke all the time. <laughs> yeah, who knew I'd have to go back to skydiving to make any money? <laughs> all right? Yeah, right. Yeah, nobody would have ever thought well so um, you've been doing this for a long time you've been uh, super active you've competed you've you've taught a bunch of people you've jumped off of all kinds of crazy stuff you've you've lost people you've gained friends you gained a wife out of it absolutely um, what are the best things and what are the worst things any 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 huge positives and any huge negatives any regrets
1: um no I kind of want to live my life to where I don't have I don't I don't find myself on my deathbed with any regrets i think that's that's kind of why i do what i do um, it's a fun that i'm having and it's the the lifestyle that i've chosen is i don't want to have any regrets sure um regrets that i have i don't really think i have any except for uh kind of the obvious ones i mean I, I would say that um as somebody who's lost a father and lost uh somebody who i was so close with my father wasn't just my dad he was my best friend sure um i think my my biggest regret is the fact that i didn't get more of his knowledge before he passed because he was a he was a wealth of information like he he did everything he sure he built his own car at 17 and realized it was too big to get out of the backyard so you had to take it apart and rebuild it in the front yard <laughs> awesome So i mean everything from from simple stuff like that to, to life lessons that we take for granted that you know our parents teach us um i think that's probably my only regret is not having quite the head on my shoulders that time to, to realize what I could get from him
0: sure but I'll tell you what it sounds to me like with the stories that you've told about him that he would have had the same mentality about life that you do
1: oh for sure and what's, absolutely
0: what's the one saying it's uh, life. Uh, life's journey is not to uh, arrive at the uh, grave safely in a well preserved body but rather to skid in sideways totally worn out shouting holy fucking shit what a ride
1: oh yeah for, absolutely yeah, I, I, I believe in that 100% so I don't have any regrets in life, and uh, I'm going to continue to live my life to where I don't. Awesome. Um, now I just have a amazing partner in crime that wants to do all those things with me. So when Which... am I going to go home? I don't know. I think home is wherever my, uh, where Nicole and myself are at the time, and sure, wherever we find ourselves. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, you and I are b- both the same. I think in that I will always be an American. I was born and raised in the states, and and uh, I identify as an American. But uh, um, my my horizons have been dramatically broadened. Via travel. For sure. Um, uh, I think that the best thing that I ever did was get a passport. Uh, the best thing I ever did was take that first job um, outside the United States, which funny enough was for jumping. You know, the first time I ever left the United States for anything other than hopping across the border in Tijuana to go get fucked up or going to Canada was <laughs> to, to hop on a plane and go all the way to Fiji to take a job skydiving with a guy I had you know never met, a drop zone that I had never seen. Um, all because my buddy from Australia that I jumped with in San Francisco said it was a good place to go in the winter.
1: Yeah. How
0: fucking cool is that?
1: Did the same thing in Mexico. That's how I got my my start traveling. I had never traveled out anything other than Canada to go skiing before I got my first gig. You know, working a, a winter in Mexico because the weather was better down there than it was in Michigan. <laughs>
0: Isn't that the truth?
1: And then I, you know, the opportunity to to go out to Dubai came from. A close friend, Noah Bonson, who who happened to call me and realized I was going through stuff in my life, and he said, "Hey, man, this is an amazing opportunity to come out here." Sure. And I went out to Dubai. Nice. And it was, you know, six and a half years out there. It's it's. You know, it, it is what it is. It's well, and you've traveled everywhere. I mean, you've you've done
0: uh, the Middle East. You've done all over Europe. Now, I mean, yep. you did uh, Copenhagen for the big competition. You've
1: gone to uh, Norway. You've done. Have you done Sweden as well? Um, I've been through Sweden. Sweden will be this year. Sweden and Finland. We're we're planning on. Um, we've we've done Copenhagen and and Norway for for the stuff with with one call during Extreme Week. And I mean, that's that's been amazing, an amazing ride and amazing journey working with those guys. They're professionals and amazing um, to. To jump with sure, beautiful probably the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. Skydiving is in Norway sure. So guys, if you haven't been out there yet, check it out. Skydivers they're awesome. Um,
0: what about uh, Italy uh, the, for base jumping and stuff? There's a lot of amazing stuff out there.
1: Base jumping in Italy and Switzerland and and you know all over Europe they've they've got um, some some beautifully hidden gems in Austria and and all around. I've I've had the luck um, of doing what I love to do, and the fact that I've been able to travel the world doing it.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and doing it with some over-the-top spectacular people as well. Absolutely. This. Why do you think um, skydiving, and, and I'm sure other extreme sports as well, but why do you think they draw such personalities, such—I mean, you can't even really explain.
1: I couldn't explain why the personalities are— what they are we're all a-type personalities in a sense. Sure. Um, but there's I mean we've got some really magnetic
0: magnetic people in this sport, um, Micah being one, Noah being another one. Uh, um, Noah, for instance, if you sit and talk to him, is probably one of the most relaxed, reserved, quiet people you've ever spoken to. He doesn't seem to get worked up, he doesn't get excited, but he does these things that are just
1: beyond belief yeah, and I've known Noah since he's been a, a baby skydiver we were we were babies together we were learning together we've we've been friends for fuck almost probably 13 14 years at this mm. point um yeah probably about 14 years and uh yeah I mean just super chill down to earth approachable sure and that's what I think we all try to be is you know I don't think any of us try to ha- ever have an ego we all try to be approachable especially for for newer jumpers and for, for people outside the sport, you know, we're a liaison to, to what we do. Sure. Um, I mean, even though most of the time when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm an instructor. <sighs> sure. Yeah, well, I, I stay I stay away from the skydiving side of things because as soon as you say, what kind of instructor? Oh, I, I teach skydiving. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, oh, why, why do you do that? What are you doing? Oh, where can I do this? Where, what's going on? And it's like a thousand questions blowing up. So course. So we're, course. we're pretty low-key outside of it,
0: but... Noah, actually, I did an interview for him or with him for Blue Skies Magazine a while back, and he, uh, he called me a name dropper, <laughs> which at first I wanted to be insulted by it. But then I had to kind of take a step back and go, oh, wait, I am. And then I, I specifically because at the end of the day, the coolest thing about me are my friends my friends do some fucking cool shit. So absolutely, I'm a name dropper when it comes to people like you and people like Nolan, Julian, and all these amazing athletes that do stuff that, that even to me, who uh, a normal non-jumper, non-extreme lifestyle person thinks is insane, these people are 10 levels above me. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm ridiculously proud of the friendships that I have with people that do shit that's just wow. Amazing. So I stopped being uh, insulted by that comment very quickly, although it was pretty damn funny at the time. <laughs> so you're, you're a name dropper. Oh, f- well, shit, I'm going to drop your name here in a bit. I'm writing a fucking article.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're all friends and we're all in the same sport together. And, I mean, when you're talking to one another, yeah, I mean, we, we can be name droppers to a certain point because most likely the person we're talking to knows the person we're talking about. Sure. So yeah, we're, yeah. Just, we're just sharing stories, kind of like we are right now. We're sharing stories about everything and... I mean, if any of those people are f- offended by it, fuck them. Oh, yeah.
0: no, no <laughs> Believe me, I stopped giving a flying fuck whether people were offended by what I had to say a very long time ago. But then again, after nine years of writing for the magazine, if I was worried about what people thought, oh, jeez, I wouldn't be able to write half of the shit that I did. So I'm so <laughs> surprised they print half of that stuff. I can't believe it either. And, uh, shout out to Laura for, for sure. Oh, and her poor mother that has to proofread all the shit that I read. And now I'll be linked to this as well. Um, well you, so you've, you've, you've kind of run the entire gambit. You started out as a student skydiver and you had to beat yourself up to just even get the jumps in, um, tragedy almost right off the bat, um, that you had to overcome. You, uh, ended up being a mentor and an instructor to people and still pushing all the limits. What's next?
1: I don't know. We'll see if we can, uh, maybe break, break our own personal records. I don't know. We'll Well, see see what's next.
0: Speaking of, actually, before I forget about it, you did just break a a record not that long ago, did
1: you not? Uh, Yeah, about a month and a half ago. um, I broke the Guinness World Records for the world's largest flag flown while skydiving. And we're not talking
0: about, uh, you know, most people, as soon as they think flag, they think the one that's run up over the school. They think the one that's run up over the bank. They even think the big one that's run up over the Capitol. How big was this fucking flag?
1: This flag was 4,800... 85.65 square meters. Which is for an American that doesn't speak meter? For an American, it's about the same size as an American football field. Maybe a little little
0: bit bigger. Attached to you while flying a parachute. Yep. Um, That must have been an interesting ride. Uh, It it was definitely
1: an interesting ride.
0: Now, you you not only jumped it, but you had to to basically help um, design and perfect the system that that allowed a, a pair or pardon me a, a flag of that size be deployed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, myself and um, a really good rigger um, who did the majority of the work. His name is Evgeny, and I would pronounce your name Evgeny, but I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. Um, I call him the crazy the crazy Russian rigger. Fair enough. Um, he's amazing. He's been in the sport forever, and he put about uh, close to 100 plus um, hours on the ground into. Dis- helping design and build um the the system that I jumped. Wow. And it was a lot of trial and practice. Um we finally got it right on the fourth jump, but we had uh with the actual flag, but we had a bunch of trial jumps before that with just um different systems in place to try to perfect what we needed to do in order to get this thing out safely and get me down safely. Sure.
0: Well I'm sure there were a couple of uh, tense moments for you.
1: Um there were. Um like I said it it took to jump number four, so jump number one, there were some issues, jump number two, jump number three, um everything from the entire uh two hundred kg bundle coming off of me. Two hundred kg, so let's one ninety five, so two four hundred pounds.
0: So four hundred pounds strapped to your chest. Yep. Um kinda like a uh if you were taking a, a massive tandem student. Uh like two. Yeah. All right. So you've got two human beings strapped to the front of you, and you've got to control the whole thing as you're falling out of a helicopter. You did it.
1: Yeah, we did a helicopter for for safety, as opposed to the, to a jump airplane because jump airplane's a little bit faster speeds. We so wanted it was, it a little bit slower for for make things a little bit easier for the exit. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and a team of people helping. Oh, for sure. And by number four, you got it. Number four, uh, we nailed it, uh, made it work, and it was the the last jump that was going to be capable with Guinness. Nice. Um, because. Guinness, you know, gets paid to do what they do, and you know, every jump we did was a, was a cost to, to us and to get the, the flag done and the sponsors in, involved, and it was awesome.
0: For sure. Well, no doubt about that. I mean, it had to have been quite the experience, but uh, if you had to think back uh, over all of your accomplishments in skydiving and all the different crazy things you've done, uh, what stands out? Like what one or two things more than anything else just are the epitome of what you've done in the sport?
1: The opinion of what I've done in the sport. Wow, um, I would say definitely the the jump in the world's largest flag. I mean, it's a it's a Guinness World Record. Um, that was that was pretty amazing. Being the first ever uh, swoop freestyle world champion. Um, that was definitely uh, the top two as far as achievements of what I've done in the sport. Um, but I would say honestly the the one of the two most memorable and the the two things that will always take top priority is me being able to take my mom on a tandem and my dad docking on it awesome that's probably the whole family in free fall yep that's that's one and uh the other one that's right equal with it is uh proposing to uh nicole with her taking me for a tandem (laughs) at the same drop zone i took her for a tandem (laughs) nine years later to the day that's cool
0: now, for for those that don't know Junior, she said yes. Thank, thank <laughs> God. For those that don't know Junior or don't know Nicole, Nicole is she's six foot tall. Yep. And you're what four two?
1: Hey, 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 hey. Five seven and a half.
0: Five seven and a half. So it is it I is five, literally seven. Gandalf and Frodo, <laughs> is what I like to call them. Or what did she want to be for Halloween? Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk would be another good one. David uh, and Goliath. It's it's it goes on and on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and they all work perfectly luckily both of you guys have a good sense of humor about it well luckily you have a good sense of humor about it because you're the midget
1: oh for sure yeah for sure <laughs> Fair we're,
0: enough. we're all the same size when we lay down dean remember that fair fair enough fair enough well the funny thing is i can picture that uh, jump even though i wasn't there because she's a normal sized instructor and you're a normal sized very small student <laughs> exactly perfect there's no way you could be a problem for her heavy side was going to fall down for sure awesome All right. As we wrap up, uh, um, anything that do you think, say that we've got people listening that have never jumped out of an airplane, never decided to do anything extreme. And they just picked this podcast because they want to hear a couple of nuts talk about doing stupid shit.
1: Uh, What do you want them to know? Get out of your house, go do some stupid shit because it's not what you do um, on the normal day to day that defines you. It's what you do outside of it. It's the things that, that you have fun doing and the things that make you push the limits and the things that you're going to, talk about with your friends and think about on your deathbed and and wonder, why didn't I ever do this? Go out and do it. Try it. Yeah. It's something, skydiving especially, is something that is so safe um, at this point in, in, its, in its history that go try it, give it a shot, see maybe it's going to be the one thing that, that changed your life completely around, or maybe you go and you do it and you decide, nah, it's not for me, but go and try it.
0: You at least gave it a shot, and and uh, I'm sure you're the same as me. I've taken, I think, eight thousand people now on tandems, and although I've had quite a few people that say they'll never do it again,
1: I've never had one that regretted doing it once. No, everybody's always been glad. Um, I mean, I've got probably seven thousand plus tandems, um, and I would say every single person that I've ever taken has always been, "Oh, that's the greatest thing I've ever done." Or I ask them, "Hey, it was awesome. How? What'd you think?" man, that was amazing, but I don't ever want to do it again. (laughs) Absolutely. But at (laughs) least they've done it.
0: Now, we probably should have started out uh, uh, with your stats, but uh, we'll go ahead and finish off with that. So you started jumping in what year? Uh,
1: 1999.
0: So you started jumping in 99. uh, You've got how many jumps total? A little over 17,000. 17 fucking thousand times out of an airplane. And that's coming from, I mean, I've got 11,000 jumps, but 17,000, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, How many base jumps? A couple hundred which is a substantial amount of base jumps when you consider most people can't bring themselves to uh, you know step off a high ladder let alone do base jumps for sure Uh, what else what other extreme sports anything
1: um extreme sports no i mean i used to i used to drag race motorcycles back in the day Um, i was a collegiate wrestler nice Um, little fact that nobody knows i've watched you surf badly Um, i surf really bad Um, i'm horrible at yoga you can ask my wife she laughs at me every time i get in the yoga studio with her awesome um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'll i try anything. I'm I'm a scuba diver, certified scuba diver, rescue diver. So um, I just love experiencing life.
0: Nice. No, you and me both. You and me both. So uh, that's probably the takeaway from interview number one is get the fuck off the couch. Get out and try something, and, and uh, you just never know what you want to find. Go experience your life. It's what needs to be done, and I think that's
1: the one thing that's laughing, lacking nowadays
0: is most people don't bother to just go live.
1: Yep go live don't have any regrets because if you're on your deathbed what are you going to think about no things shit things that you should have done or are you going to look back and think about man I did some really cool shit out there during my life yeah no
0: doubt no doubt I completely agree alright well uh, um, you can go on to uh, uh, mrgoogle.com and, and uh, find out all about Junior uh, you want to type in uh, um, the, the Swoop
1: Freestyle Swoop Freestyle um, you'll find some stuff about me um, David Ludwig. With parentheses Junior, because Junior is just a nickname that I got from my dad. Then spell um, the last name. O-U-D as in David, V as in Victor, I-K. Jesus. O-U-D-V-I-K. Jesus Christ, you are in aviation. I am in aviation. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> All
0: right, fair enough. Sure went through. So, we'll check you out. Uh, see your swoop freestyle stuff. You can probably Google world's largest flag a parachute jump at uh, some point in the near future. I don't think it's out yet, but
1: it's coming. Nope. The, the, the documentary is coming here pretty soon. Uh, they're working hard on it. So, yeah, keep, absolutely going to want to check that out.
0: And in the meantime, uh, get off the couch, get out, and jump out of an airplane. Uh, this is The Fucking Pilot with uh, Junior on podcast number
1: one. Podcast number one. We'll call that one In the Can. Literally, you're on the can. All right, perfect. All
0: right, my man. See ya.
1: Later, buddy.